How do you go about making your voice sound like someone else's? And why would you? I'll be chatting to a bunch of people who can answer those questions and many more as they reveal the dark arts of impressionists. I'm Simon Lipson, and this is Making an Impression. I'm delighted to welcome today singer, actor, and of course, top notch impressionist it's luke kempner hiya luke how are you doing hey i'm very good simon how are you yeah do you know what? i'm very well and i'm thrilled to have you on today and notwithstanding the fact that i think you're a gooner aren't you i am yeah exactly yeah you see that's i'm gonna to have to fall is that good or bad <laughs> it's not great but then i'm a spurs fan so you know oh. we've, we've, we've both got our problems i guess yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> we're coming out the other side though i feel like that's it you you know we've been sitting there jealous for so long yeah now with the there are you know some germs some well, we, good... we, yeah, we are deep in hell at the moment and uh with with jose and all the kind of nonsense so going much on made in the... heaven <laughs> it's it's it? literally, I was watching him today and it's like, I think they need to look at their own problems before they look at us. You know, we have our own things going on, but if they were fighting at the top, they wouldn't be looking at us. I think this, I was like, Jose, you're imploding and you're about four months in. I'm afraid he's, he is in. Well, he imploded a while ago. He's, it's, uh, everything's falling to bits. Uh, you do a pretty decent banger, don't you? Because it's, it's a shame he went because uh, you, yeah. <laughs> I used to try to do him myself but couldn't really do him but it was something in this way. Uh, you're usually a much better one than me. Well, look, I mean, he was very much one of the first impressions that I did even when I was very young. I must have been about 14 years old and I, I found, I used to look in the mirror and I could really make my lips go, I mean, this is not very good for a podcast but I used to really make my lips go exactly like him. And and then, uh, look, I found a lot of things that he said, and uh, I liked the way he asked himself questions. So he'd say, uh, look, do I think Luke Kempner is incredibly good-looking? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> and, and like, I would find lots of things that he did. And, yeah, when he left, it was funny because I, I was doing a series called... Um, Wenger's world and we were doing it every week just sort of mucking around and then um then he just all of a sudden just he was leaving and as a gooner like i was like close to tears so yeah i was a bit sad that he went but it's all right arteta's got a good voice so we're all good were you a Wenger out man at the end or i mean you look i flew a plane over a stadium with Wenger out but other than that i did <laughs> but no i very no i i um i was but not uh, vocally and mainly as well, like I have a lot of links to the club and like I've done a lot of work for the club now and, yeah. you know, I very much support whatever they're, whatever they're doing there. As long as you just keep inviting me to, to the box, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'm on board. Interesting, you're talking about Wenger and, and you, kind of the shape, shaping of his mouth and, the, just the way, and also the way that he mentioned asking himself questions mm. and answering them. Are these the sorts of things that you look for before you start doing a voice? Or is it a case of, okay, I can hear something in a voice. I'm, there's an instinctive connection to a voice. I can feel it and I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to worry about all the bits and pieces that absolutely make the voice work. It really varies for me. I don't know what it's like for other impressionists, but it really varies for me, you know, because there's sometimes something like, I remember, uh, you know, like hearing someone like Klopp and, you know, I could, f I, I heard, uh, you know, where he placed it in the voice and spoke very quickly and the laugh, ah, ah, and all the boom and all those things like that, you know, in a situation. And, and I like find all those things that those can be quite instinctive. 
And then I will watch a lot of stuff and try and find things that he does, you know, find when he's talking very slow, or talking quickly, talking slowly. And uh, yeah, ah, and, and, and then I will build into it my comedic observations. And then it becomes a character. You know, I find with a lot of my impressions, by the time I've performed them on stage a, a lot, and also like what I do on stage is very much sort of um, sketch led, you know, like everything I do is a, a sort of narrative led sketch, a beginning, middle and end sketch. So like it's kind of what they need within that sketch that sort of sometimes dictates where the humor comes from. You know, like Andy Murray was a character that look, I start when I, as soon as I started doing Andy Murray, it was, it was very much because I could hear the tone of his voice and never needed to move from that tone. And then like for me, I just, the fact that he's got a brother that's also a tennis player that isn't as successful, but still pretty successful. And the mum that's really famous as well. So then it's like, for me, it's like, well, it's a mum with two boys. And isn't it really funny if they're really competitive? Instead of just going, hi, I'm Andy Murray and, and I'm really boring. I like the idea that I play Mario Kart with, with Jamie and mum says, if I eat all my Brussels sprouts, I'm allowed to stay up for an hour. And that's, that's, no, that's no sort of like judgment on him as a person. That's just a comic idea, you know. It's quite nice, that, isn't it, to invent little stories around? Yeah, completely. I mean, with Andy, I used to, I used to do him on stage. I mean, going back quite a long time, but you know, just be so bored about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just boring myself, shitless here. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do the the Murray show one of these days, of course. Uh, you know. <laughs> I was talking to Alison McGowan on this podcast, and he was also talking very much about finding if you like motivations in characters to finding little little bits that informed the way that he would then do the impression and it's nice to hear you discussing that because i think i was just completely instinctive in, I, I see myself actually more as a mimic than an impressionist so i wasn't looking too hard for <laughs> you know for motivation and deeper meaning it was just oh I, I like that voice i'm going to mimic it but i think all impressionists have different approaches don't they did you train as yeah a i went to i trained as a i was musical theater is what i did for well i went to guildford school of acting and then i did three years and i was in like lamez and and avenue q and so i trained as a musical theater performer i always did impressions and i'd done them since i was at school when I was in Les Mis, I, we did a cabaret night and I stood up and did impressions of all the cast. And also when I was at drama school, I did, um, we, we, you know, we used to have a Christmas concert and I would always do the same as what I do now. It's like, you know, we had a singing teacher called Roth Campbell who spoke like this. And then I, what I would do is I would have this whole thing. And in fact, it's, it's actually not very far from Louis Theroux now, but it was sort of, he'd have this kind of character and he was, he was always talking about his book. He always had this book that he was bringing out. So I was like, you know, hello, like, hello, everyone. And, um, you know, I'm bringing out my new book and I want to get it published. I want to get my book published. And, um, and then I would like, so the first person I asked was head of voice, Chris Palmer. And, you know, and it would, it would sort of go like that. There would be a beginning, middle and end to that. And it was a way of getting in all the voices. And obviously you're playing to a home crowd, but to be honest, it's not that different from what I still do now. I do a lot more stand-up now for clubs, but my shows, mm-hmm. I'd say it's like half stand-up and half is just actual full-blown sketches. I just play all the characters. But sorry, I've, I've digressed. But like, yeah, I trained at drama school and but always did impressions, always wanted to do comedy. I loved stand-up. And yeah. I wonder whether that, you know, training in the theatre does change the way that you approach an impression because i mean alistair mcgowan again comes actually musical theater is one of his passions and he he was a kind of an 
an actually approach to impressions, to looking out for those things that go behind the just the sound of the voice and the accent. It goes behind it to get something else into an impression. You also mentioned musical, you know, your musical training. Duncan Wisby, I spoke to Duncan a couple of weeks ago. He's a brilliant impressionist. Uh, but he said he, he listens for the music in voices. Do you yeah, think- definitely. Uh, there's a melody to a lot of people. You know, we talked about Andy Murray is very much that. That is a note that he stays on and you don't need to move to the end of that note until you get to the end of the sentence. And I feel like that's a lot with a lot of people, like someone, you know, one of the first sort of celebrities I did was Alan Carr. And knowing you know, you've got this kind of tone and you can do that with your voice. And, you know, and then, you know, and that is just a musical thing. And it's the same with a lot of, you know, I do a lot of sports commentators, which like, you know, has all been influenced by Alistair and Rory. And, and but that sort of, you know, even if you look at someone like Richie Benno, you've got that kind of tone, you know, you, you, you know the kind of musicality to his voice. And that is a brilliant shot by Ricky Ponting. Those are just like, yeah, they, that's a music that you can mimic. Absolutely. You mentioned Louis Thoreau, and I'm, I was fascinated by this because I've seen your Louis Thoreau, watched a bit of, a bit of uh, Thoreau on video. Now, I, I listen to Louis Thoreau a lot. I watch him a lot. And I've actually just been listening to his uh, Grounded, which is his uh, podcast, which is really good, very entertaining. And, of course, the slightly baffled, stupid act is just an act. He's He's fantastically course, bright yeah. and you know his questions are, are right on the money but i was listening to his voice and i was thinking to myself how how would i get into that voice i can't hear what i need to hear to enable me to copy that voice you do it beautifully what did you find in that voice that <laughs> that I just cannot seem to nail down. It's weird, isn't it? You know, there's sometimes where stuff gets unlocked for you by other people. Um, and I don't think there's any shame in that. You know, like I remember Alistair and I were working together and, and I could never get Piers Morgan. And I remember he just sort of showed me something with his voice, just suppressing his larynx. Like, in the, you know, this, this kind of... Um, it's more like a, you know, like if you were doing Kermit, you know, you would be suppressing your larynx at the back. But it's like if you if you kind of, you know, you've sort of there's a place to put your voice, you know. And then then I took my own uh, route of it, but even just having that idea to put, you know, put it there, and then then you do your own work. But sometimes it can just be a little thing like that. And and with Louis Theroux, like. I don't, I, you know, for me, it's kind of, I, I always, I always heard it with Louis and I like, I, he's a very musical one because of the voiceovers that he does. And that's sort of like, I was sitting there talking to Simon and he looked kind of strange. I didn't know if I was going to carry on talking to him, but maybe I would. And like, you know, that is all, yeah. that's just music. It is music. Yeah. That's, and that's great. I mean, as you've pointed that out, I, I'm now hearing that hook. And I think I could probably go away and, and maybe get close to it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You mentioned there also, interestingly, about there being no shame in listening to other impressionists mm. and, and getting some sense of a voice that you, for whatever reason, you can't seem to find the way into it. Who would you say, you know, because you've, you've worked with Ali, I know you've worked with Rory, you've worked with probably pretty well ever, everyone on the contemporary scene. Who would you say you... Oh, I, I, I hesitate to say look up to, but who do you think most mirrors your own approach to finding a voice? I don't know, really. I mean, I think, you know, I very much look up to um, Alistair and and Rory, Jam Ravens, um, and, you know, and I, I very much am inspired by them. But I think my approach is 
very much a character led and i i very i think my passion for stand up and wanting to get across my own opinions about life as well as sort of here's the voice i don't know if that's the same as anyone else's but you know that I, what i'm more inspired by someone like trevor noah who puts so much brilliant character stuff into his stand up um yes i like doing the voices and i like parodying shows you know i've always been a massive fan of tropes within a show and pointing those out and i work a lot on uh, love island and 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 it's a show which has such obvious tropes and using those to tell funny jokes and tell funny stories but you, you know like i very much love learning from uh, the likes of alistair and and rory but then you know you see people like al fornan and Schaefer bates at the moment who um really talented guys and you know i think you just sort of you might not necessarily learn from each other but you do you just it, you always appreciate um, the work that's gone in. Like, you know, it's as, as anyone knows who's tried to do impressions, like sometimes they come really easily and a, a lot of the time they, they take a, a long time to craft. Do you ha- really sweat an impression? Are there voices you think, I can't find this voice? See, in my case, I would just walk away from it because I, again, my, my own feeling was if I can't do it, I can't do it or I might come back. It one day it'll it might just appear in my in my mouth and it, that happened with with John Motson you know I just couldn't do John Motson I I think it was watching Rory one day I just happened to see what he was doing. and I thought oh wait a minute yeah I, I'm guessing because you're you're using your voices professionally all the time in all kinds of different scenarios are there ones that you either have to do because people have asked you to do them and you need to do them for a particular show or ones that you're desperate to do uh, and therefore you're going to go and sweat it and listen and listen and do the YouTubing and you know whatever else it takes. Are you quite diligent and forensic about nailing down the voice? When I started out as like going, oh, I'm going to be a, a you know an impressionist now. I very much picked who I wanted to do. I wanted to pick people that hadn't been done before. Um, you know, I remember doing Tom Daly very early doors, and you know because I just hadn't, I just hadn't seen like people do. I, I was like, I'm going to do my thing because then it's then it can't be judged against anyone else. And like that was, and he was like, you know, so big in London 2012, face the game, and like for me that was a choice. Yeah. But then like these days, because they take a long time, often it's uh, at the moment I'm having to work on Klopp and and James Corden. You know, James Corden is not an easy one, really not an easy one. That's fascinating because that's one I, again, for me, I, I just wouldn't ever even dream of trying. It doesn't feel like it's in my pitch at all. I don't know whether it's, and there doesn't seem to be an awful lot to to hang the impression on. So what are you finding in, in James Corden? Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd agree, you know, like for me, like I could always do Corden's laugh with this sort of <laughs> thing that I could do. And then, but you know, he's sort of, he's so high with how it's very, it's all very up there. And his also now he's in America. I've noticed that a lot of his, his T's become D's quite a lot. He's like, you know, he'll like say, okay, look, I'm a little bit excited about that. You know, where, he probably used to say little and so it's thinking picking things and then like you know and i can sing so then i would put that into it but you know it's difficult it's it's taking a lot of you know i will sweat it and i will sit there for an hour i've always set an hour for each one and and just again and again and again and then i will find one video that i will look at again and again and again and again and and then i'll just look at a range of stuff targets is everything isn't it finding the right targets i was a stand-up for 20 years and and you know what what are you looking for? You're looking for the things that are current, uh, that are going to just strike a chord so that when you hit the voice, 
it's in people's heads already. It's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that as a stand-up that you're constantly having to to change the voices, constantly having to find new, or can you continue to use stuff? I mean, what, what's your attitude? Because I, I probably use Ronnie Corbett a bit too long. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Are you quite, uh, you know, do you have a, a high turnover? Yeah, I suppose I do. But then, you know what, like I used to think, oh, you have to have new stuff all the time, all the time, all the time. And I remember working with Rory and hearing him like do John Major. Rory is probably my favourite impressionist yeah. because I remember just like hearing people falling about laughing and I was laughing as well. And like, this is John Major that has not been on, you know, not been on telly for what, 20 years? Yeah. Like 20 years? Like, obviously we all know who he is and you'd have to be like 15 to not know who he is. But for me, that's, it doesn't matter. Like, it's still funny and what you do with it can still be funny. Where I really struggle is like Jeremy Kyle is someone that I've done for three or four years um, you know, and someone that I, I so enjoy doing on stage because he's so, you know, he can just be so arrogant, so aggressive. And so, you know, shut up. What are you talking about? And all that. But then obviously when his show got <laughs> taken off and like there was serious stuff connected to it. Yeah. You know, like I was um, supporting uh, Russell Kane on tour at the time. Yeah. And I was like, Russ, man, I've got to like, I can't do it now. And he was like, we're talking about just slightly change it here and then it's fine. Acknowledge the elephant in the room. Don't leave an audience going, oh, good. Should he have done that or not? You just, you just go. You know, it's probably the only job I can get now. I'll go, you know, off down the job seekers. Ironically, I might see some of my old contestants, you know, like, um, <laughs> and you least you've acknowledged it then. But like, I don't know, like sometimes it's difficult things you have to let uh, leave alone. And if people, you know, I know when Boris wasn't around for like a couple, you know, a year or like, you know, you were like, oh, well, maybe I won't use Boris forever. <laughs> but they always come back around. I suppose it's a, it's the extent to which people penetrate the public consciousness and and if if you know someone like kyle was around for a long time yes doing lots and lots of telly he was on every day and i suppose the echo of that allows you to carry on doing him yeah i'm fascinated by what you do because you you pick up on voices that that are really quite hard to find little hooks on and you're finding those hooks which is great one that you do which i know is a uh, rory bremner mentioned this when I interviewed him a few weeks ago, was your Christopher Biggins. Now, I don't know anybody who who does Christopher Biggins, but as I understand it, you did this on The Imitation Game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you appeared on regularly. And it was so strong that, was it Deborah Stevenson didn't yeah. know, couldn't tell you apart from the, the, real, the real Biggins. And that's, that's quite a feather in your cap. But the thing is, like, Biggins is one of those ones that I used to do. When I was in musical theatre, I used to do that, you know, backstage to entertain. Yeah. cast members like and I'm not someone actually that, that does lots of impressions like when I'm like backstage at things but like I just used to do being it would make people laugh and 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 I, and I kind of miss those days where I didn't used to work on impressions yeah. because <laughs> they just came well like now it's like oh I've got to do fucking all right I've got to, okay you know and it's like I still love it as a thing but like those days I just you know I for, for me like I'm I'm a massive fan of camp so like I love camp and like, you know, I've worked in musical theater for a long time and like, and he's got that such wonderful, you know, it's such an enjoyable place to sit, you know, and there's so many double <laughs> entendres you can do all the time. You know, I mean, I like sitting here on something soft. Perhaps you want to sit on something harder, uh, you know, and like hearing 
just being able to like use like panto vernacular isn't something else I really enjoy. And, and, you know, and it's just he hit that love that ah, 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 is so, you know, kind of brilliant. And I, I, and it, I'll tell you what I like about it as well is that I, I, I couldn't look, you know, more different. to begin. <laughs> No, you couldn't. But I like where you can just, I just feel like I sit back in it and it's, you know, and it's a pure joy. What's lovely about that? I mean, lots of things are lovely about it. It's <laughs> is the, is the fact that you almost expand the voice. Yeah. Because, you know, Biggins is a big guy and, and part of that voice is the boom of it. Yes. Um, which you expect from a guy of his, of his build. And you're a pretty slim guy and, and, and much, much younger than Biggins. And you're finding that boom, which is, uh, <laughs> that's quite a gift. I remember like one of the first things I sort of did was this Downton Abbey show that was called um, Downstairs. Well, it was had loads of different names. It started out on YouTube called Downstairs at Downton and then it went, became The Only Way is Downton. Then it was Upstairs Downton. And it was America's Got Downton. So it all became different names. But uh, what I used to love about that was playing a range of characters and doing everything from, from Mr. Carson, which is why I bring that up because he's also someone that, you know, Big, massive, you know, Jim Carter, but, you know, coming down there and finding that loneliness to his voice, but then moving all the way up from, you know, someone like that. To Mrs. Patmore, who's a completely different part of the the, 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 the mouth, the voice, totally different stuff. And even at someone like Daisy, like, she's more, you know, I actually worked with Sophie McShear recently. It was, like, amazing. Like, actually, I like, actually been stood next to her and that. But, like, you know, been able to find all those different parts of your voice different uh height and tone and i love all of that you know and I, I love being able to have those in a conversation with each other on stage you know being able to go well daisy i don't believe it i don't believe that mr carson well don't you ask mrs patmore well, i wouldn't believe in that mr carson all right mrs patmore <laughs> and like being able to like gymnastics you know with your voice um i love that you know like i, I mean actually uh, dipping between voices particularly those of radically different pitch it's quite mm. it's quite difficult that let me ask you about pitch it's something i've discussed with everybody so far on making an impression now your natural voice strikes me as being in the mid mid to upper range your, your natural pitch yeah yeah my voice is low and as i'm getting getting older it's getting lower and so there are natural ones for me you know morgan morgan freeman morgan freeman whatever right yeah yeah once i start looking at the higher voices I start to think mm, maybe maybe I should leave those alone because then I'm starting to manufacture ways of of raising my pitch that might detract from the voice itself. You mentioned you know already a couple of characters where the voice is deeper than your natural voice. Yes, and you're partly faking it and partly manufacturing yeah. it. What what's your process to to bring your voice down? I'm the opposite of you in the fact that like there's some low voices like Morgan Freeman's not one that I do. You know, I, I got asked to do a thing the other day like doing Optimus Prime and like, you know, hearing how low Optimus Prime. You know, what I would do is I would, you know, really turn up the gain on my microphone and then I might be able to get low enough. You know, but it's different when it's someone like Higgins or Jim Carter because like you say, you manufacture it, you know, you add something there and I can get right. And, and some people that like, say, you've got such a low voice. And I'm like, I don't, I just, there's certain timbres I can hear yeah. um, and can produce, but like, yeah, like some of those lower voices, I, you know, I sort of leave those alone and, and I always dream, oh, maybe I should just smoke like a hundred <laughs> cigarettes and drink loads of whiskey and then I'll be able to get down there. But well, Rory was telling me that, that, that for some, some of the lower voices, he would smoke a cigarette in in his mouth, he'd have the lit end in his mouth. Right. <laughs> Let the smoke kind of baste his 
his, his tonsils and his, his voice yeah. and and then it, he'd just go at the end of it. Yes. He'd, he'd find that. And Al Foran, I spoke to Al last week and he was saying that, you know, if you want to do a, um, a low voice, do it in the morning. Well, that's the thing of like, if you've been out shouting and, and drinking, like, yeah, of course, the next day you've got that. But then I'm always just like, well, if I can't reproduce it on stage, then I, I, I'm, I need to be able to trust it every night or find you know, where I can do it on stage, you know, like, you know, even like someone like Boris is, you know, I mean, he's kind of, you know, I, I think his voice is probably quite low, you know, but I, I put it in a place that works for me. And then I've got that on stage that I can use. And, and, and where like, if you hear him, you know, I mean, he's probably a lot lower than that, you know? Yeah. But I just find where it works for me. But what you're doing there is you're getting the music of his voice and you're also, your accent is spot on. So if your pitch isn't quite, where you'd like it to be for Boris. I know that's Boris. I mean, isn't it the case with all impressionists that you you are to a certain extent limited by your natural vocal tone and therefore you find ways to sell impressions that that are not comfortable for you naturally. Uh, and you've just done that, a perfect example of that. Reeling back now to your, your early days, schoolboy Luke, was he a kind of a extrovert, introvert? Well, you know, because I, I, we've had all sorts really on the show. I, I, I wouldn't do impressions to anybody but my close coterie of, of mates. Whereas I, we've had other people on who just, you know, anyone wants an impression, they'll get one. Where would you have stood in that? I think it's, ch- it's changed over the years, Simon. Like, you know, like when I was schoolboy, Luke was a massive extrovert and constantly pissing about. And, uh, you know, I almost got expelled several times, but never, I was never rude. I just, I wanted to piss about and make people laugh and do impressions. And, laughter was was all I wanted so that never stopped and that didn't really change ever (laughs) I think now it's different because now I do it professionally I don't feel comfortable it's different when you're in an interview which is what you're there for but like in normal conversation like I'd be quite embarrassed of someone going oh my god that really sounds like them I would get embarrassed by that and sort of so I tend I mean I've done it where I've tended to sort of do a bad impression so I don't get a Uh, Oh, that really sounds like it's different if someone knows who I am or what I do. Like that's slightly different, but like I'm more what I do is like, like half my, my my wife's Scottish and like half my family's Scottish. Like I'll talk to them all in an Edinburgh accent, but I won't, I probably wouldn't do him Boris Johnson. There was always that thing I used to find people, you know, perhaps I've just met and they say, oh, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm uh, impressionist. They go, go on then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go on, do one. And you think, oh. God. And then so, and I, I find it very, very hard to just conjure one up, you know, in that situation, just too embarrassing, too difficult. And then, of course, because of that, you do it half cocked. And so I do an impression, they go, eh, yeah, I've got a mate, I've got a mate, does it <laughs> <Yeah>. better? <laughs> oh, all right, then, you know, you think, what have I wasted my time for? You mentioned you went to Guildford and, and studied uh, musical theatre. I guess you, this was always your plan. I was never going to do anything else. You know, I, I, I think I started. I think I wanted to own a leisure centre at one point when I was about 12. But other than that, like I just always, I'd always sang and I trained classically and, and did like, you know, singing competitions and stuff from the age of like 10. And then like, I just was always going to go to drama school, went to 18, was always going to do musical theatre because I, 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 you know, I got brought up on Les Mis and um, Carousel and, and, and I love old school Rodgers and Hammerstein and Sondheim and all that sort of thing. So I was very much like, brought up on that then I got into modern musical theatre and was obsessed with that and proper fanboy so like I always 
was going to do musical theatre. And then when I was doing it, I found that it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be because I like to create my own stuff. I get a big kick out of creating my own stuff. I like doing something different. I have a very short attention span. So doing a, a year of Les Mis was, you know, where you do 400 shows and it's never any different. And sometimes it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. And so that's where I decided that I was going to have a go at doing something else that I'd done before. I wish I'd known about comedy clubs when I was 18, but I didn't. You know, I didn't know that was a thing you could do. I just thought comics was, you know, I was obsessed with Alan Davis, but I was just like, that's Alan Davis. He, he does comedy on the telly. I didn't even think about where he would start. And I started on YouTube, really. You know, like a friend of mine just said, start putting your impressions on YouTube. And it was a Terry Minot video, actually, that I remember seeing. And I went, oh, I'm going to put some impressions on, on YouTube and, and do them in my style, which I did. And then after years of doing the Downton show, which I did for like three years, I then decided that I didn't want to just be um, the guy that does TV shows. So then I wanted to become myself. So then I knew I had to get into pubs and clubs and learn how to be funny as me. And, and um, you, you launched yourself onto the open mic circuit initially. Was that, was that your, your way in? I was searching you on YouTube before I, I came on and I saw that Monkey Business was one of your clips and like Monkey Business is one of my first gigs. Yeah, I just basically just started doing open mic gigs and it was interesting because I found that I had a lot of the skill set because of doing comedy for a, a while and playing big audiences and I'd also been in Les Mis and, and, and all this sort of thing. So I had a lot of the skills, but I didn't know how to use them. And I certainly writing material for stand-up, I was, you know, very elementary at. It's quite a sea change. There you are playing Les Mis in front of packed audiences in the West End every night. And then here you are in a, you know, an open mic club where there are nine people in the audience and eight of them are the other comics and that sort of thing. So you're, you're kind of learning your craft. Certainly in my case, and obviously I predate you by about 30 (laughs) years in terms of when I started, but it seemed to me that if you could do voices, you were halfway there because you didn't need to have great jokes. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could get away with sounding like you could get away with it. It was enough. I mean, over time, you then have to, you know, if you really then want to progress, you really want to go and play the comedy store every week and you want to do jonglers and all the big clubs, then you've got to start developing decent material. But in my case, you know, I went in for the Hackney Empire New Act of the Year competition. I think the Heat was my seventh gig and the finals my tenth gig. And I could just do voices. I couldn't, I had no comedy in me yeah, 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 yeah. whatsoever. But you, you always got that recognition thing. Yes. Did you find that your gift for voices made it go quicker, you know, kind of speeded up what can be a very slow process? I think it, it does. But then I also know the difference between a laugh because a voice is good and a laugh because the material's there. And I think I challenged myself of like, I know where I can get laughs doing the voices. It's always very surprising that I can sing very well, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So that can come out of the blue and that is amusing. But, (laughs) you know, for then to have your opinions and your uh, style and interact, I love interacting with the audience and stuff like that, you know, like that's just stuff that I needed to get better at and I'm still getting better at. There's no way of getting better at that, as you'll know, like without doing, going out and doing it. It's stage time, isn't it? There's no shortcut. 
You mentioned the singing mm. there. Obviously, you're a very strong singer. Do you do singing impressions? Do you know what? I don't really. like. It was something that when I was, um, I think when I was at drama school, I, I used to sort of do a bit of that. But I don't really do singing impressions now. I sing as characters like, you know, like at the end of my last show was all about how um, I wanted to be in Hamilton. And then I, I basically said that, you know, we all need to go home and put our TVs on. And I had all my characters singing within that. Um, they were singing, I'd rewritten the opening number of Hamilton and they were all singing parts of that. Um, so I do sing impressions like that, but not like Christina Bianco or Jess Robinson. Like it's more, um, and it's just, it's just something I've not particularly done really. That's interesting. Cause I used to do Sting. I used to do, you know, George, George Michael, that kind of thing. I always found as a stand up that a song is worth about eight yeah, jokes. Yeah, of course. Really, because <laughs> you're always going to get your round of applause and great way to end a show 100 percent. perfect it's a perfect way going back to the way that you approach an impression Mm. do you find that there are still voices that just come and they're just there it is you you, and you you don't have to spend any time uh, agonizing over it yeah there are but i i mean you know typically helpfully less so than it used to (laughs) Like, like you used to never even just to worry about it. And like, now it's like, oh, right. I need to do a thing. Like it, it depends. Like, you know, like I would come out of watching a film and I'd be able to do one of the characters voices where like, now it's like, you know, I've got a list of voices I, I need to do for a thing. And now I'm going to go and work on them and build them up. And some are coming easier than others. Like even like someone like Arteta, like I could, I could. I, I heard this kind of non-negotiable thing. He doesn't need to move too far from here. And I always knew that I could hear that little bit of his voice. But like, I reckon if that was five years ago, I wouldn't even need to worry about it. Well, like now I'm like, oh, I've got to work out. What's my gag? What's my angle? Was it? Does it take the fun out of it? it? Does it become a job? It becomes, it does become a job. I mean, it does. But like where it isn't a job is where you get to perform a piece that's been written by someone else or you've written yourself and being on stage, getting that live laughter, writing the material. That's where it it isn't a job is the end product. But then I also keep thinking to myself, look, if you'd have told me when I was at drama school doing impressions of the teachers and people go, oh, you should do this as a job. And I was like, yeah, well, what job is that? I'm not going to be Alistair McGowan. Alistair McGowan is there. You know, so I was just like, I'll do musical theatre, thanks. Like if you'd have told me then, oh no, one day, like you will be your day will be getting up and working on a new voice. Like, I just wouldn't have believed you. So I have to remember that and, and enjoy that, you know. Talking of the people you, we talked earlier about targets. Yeah, yeah. Are there people that you do or have done in the past that you've met? Yeah. Apart from Christopher Biggins and, yeah. you know, where, you, where, where you've had to, they've gone, well, go on, do And I hear you do me, do me. Yeah, and yeah, no, that's never uh, fun. But I worked on Big Brother for four years and I did impressions of all the housemates. So like, I would, um, there was a show called Big Brother's Bit on the Side, which Ryland hosted. Every couple of days I would do impressions of all the housemates. And at the, the final episode of the show, we would do a bit where I would do them all in front of them. And it was always like, for me, like, I loved that because I remember Rachel Johnson, Boris Johnson's sister coming up to me and going, she's like, you didn't quite get me. You didn't quite. And I was like, Rachel, that says more about your voice than it does me. Like, (laughs) and we're like the ones where you get it. Oh my God, it's gold. And like, they're looking around going, why is everyone laughing? That's not me. And like, you know, and I I, I love all of that. And, And I think the thing is, is like, I've never done an impression that I've worried is too mean. Like, it's always in the height of silliness. And I think anyone who goes, who gets a bit like 
why are you doing an impression of me? And gets a bit annoyed by it. I just think, well, that says more about you. Like, I love getting the piss taken out of me. Like, just enjoy it. It's a compliment, you know? Well, it is a compliment. They always used to say that, you know, it's it's the sincerest form of flattery. I didn't always agree with that because, I mean, are there impressions that you do in your set or have done in your set where there is spite in there? You know, you are, you are using that voice, illustrating that person's downside, something about them that you find yeah. distasteful or unpleasant. And, and you're using the voice to do that because you're clearly not admiring you may probably don't admire Boris, I don't know. But. Yeah, well, I suppose it's, but it's how high you're punching, you know. It's like, I'm not worried Donald Trump's going to see my impression and go, you know, that's unfair, I don't sound like that. I wouldn't say that. You know, if he did that, I'd be like, I don't, I really don't care, mate. But also, he's never going to come across it. But it's not even about that. It's about you're punching so high because it's the President of the United States. It's the Prime Minister. It's Nigel Farage. They're up there to be shot at. They are. Yeah. That's part of their job. You do a lovely Russell Brand. And again, it's one of those that I think is quite... I, I, I listen to that and think I can't quite get my head into that at all. Does that come from a place of affection? It does for me. Like, you know, I've, I've met Russell a couple of times and he's... Um you know, I didn't, we weren't immediately best friends, which is always disappointing. No, he, he's always been very nice to me. And I know Matt Morgan, who, who, he, who he writes with. Um, and for me, like, I'd listen to Russell. Well, we used to present Big Brother when I was a teenager. And, and then he was like, you know, I listened to his radio show and his podcast. And what I enjoyed about him is he's got this kind of love of language and and it's you know a tremendous voice that i could never i can never speak like russell i would have to mimic him him gave me a chance to become this kind of you know linguist which i would never be like i bet like someone like alistair would find that a lot easier to improvise that because he's a lot brighter than me but like I, for me it was something there's something that's so enjoyable about but then in the same way there's something to enjoy about the way trump performs it doesn't mean i like him or his politics but like there is something that is very, that is very entertaining, very watchable. He, he wouldn't be where he was if he, if it was just to do with the fact that he's got a trust fund. You know, like it's there's more to it than that. You know, there's a kind of a poisonous charisma about him, and yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess we all kind of watch it with a grim fascination. Gordon Ramsay is another one that you do, and I, I find him loathsome. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, to, to a large extent, that would determine whether I'd even bother doing him. I'm not, but then I, you know, I used to do uh, do Jimmy Savile, so I, mean, right. I yeah, can't yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, what was your in to Gordon Ramsay? I what I like again, you know, I talked earlier about um, Louis Theroux and his voiceovers again. Like what I really used to like was watching kitchen nightmares and then it's those little bits where he's just you know he's showing what's going on at the the, the crappy um, restaurant and is and it's all that sort of so i walked in and they weren't happy with what was going on i looked at mary and the way she was performing and i thought i am going to go in there and tell her how to perform and like for me like those are the bits that i enjoy the most and then the way I love his, um, the way he talks to women really makes me laugh because this sort of, oh, thank you, darling. And like this, wow, okay. And like, uh, and that always, I, then I like the idea that he calls everyone darling and is very, yeah. again, it's that camp thing. I like that musical theater. Hello, heart. Come on, darling. You know, come, can, I, can I have a kiss? And, and like, I suppose that's just a way that I ventured in doing it that way, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, there are lots of Gordon Ramses out there. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I tend to find that most of them tend to be the angry, hey, big boy, and that sort of thing. And actually, you've taken a different 
position on that, haven't you? You've taken the tender, yeah. the tender sweet. <laughs> you know, yeah. What is that? Wow. Oh God. But then, like you know, I remember like working with Liam Hockran on um, uh, Emerging Successful, and his Gordon Ramsay is like exceptional. And it's like that. The thing that I like that he does with it is that. Come on, like that is such a brilliant observation of just like that kind of staying there on that sound oh my god that is something that you know that i would not picked out which is just beautiful what's your most left field impression and i mean you mentioned corden was was for me was pretty left field because it just seems so undoable uh, are you working on any at the moment or is or is there one that you think no one does this. I'm the only person doing this right now. It really varies. You know, at the moment, like I do a lot of, um, I'm I'm on Twitch whilst we're in lockdown streaming the cricket game, Cricket 19. And I commentate over, I'm recreating the Ashes from 2005. And I commentate as all the characters from Test Match Special, including, you know, everyone from Dear Old Thing Blowers and, and Jonathan Agnew, of course. I don't know if anyone's doing Jonathan Agnew at the time. I'm here with Jeffrey. Hello, Jeffrey. Yes, thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Jeffrey. And like, so I suppose those are the sort of, the most left field and like, you know, doing Jim Maxwell going, I've just been listening to the shipping forecast and all that sort of stuff that is really left field, but I'm doing it for me. And luckily people watch who are into that kind of thing. So I suppose they're the most left field. Like I remember like I do lots of snooker commentators and I know Alistair does as well, but like, you know, it's like there, you always have to send that you'll have done it. They're like send us a list of the people you do and you're like, all right, here you go. But like, I've never been asked to do my John Virgo. <laughs> I'm asking you now. That's why I like, I, you know, I like, I always like him the way he doesn't finish words off. So he's always like, um, oh, is it that more perfect? Like, <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> um, but again, that is just, that's like, you know, like, I remember like doing John Parrott. All I would ever say is just like, I think he'd be happy just to be back in the dressing room. Like, <laughs> so I just say that all the time. Like, they're not, they're not useful impressions, but they're fun for me, you know. I love that because I, you know, when I was a kid, my left field impression was Richard Benno because no nobody was doing him at the time, you know. And we and then everyone, I think actually Rory kind of popularised that impression. But at the time, you know, when we were, I was a kid going back four hundred years. Um, that was that was quite novel. You categorise voices. This was something that Alistair McGowan was saying that there are certain voices. You know, he said he's been doing it such a long time. Yeah. Here's a new voice. He thinks that falls into the category of Richard Madeley. That falls into the category of Doc Cotton. Do you do that? Do you, do you look for some of the, the, the little clues in other voices to inform a new voice? I probably should more. <laughs> I don't really because I suppose I, the way I look at it is just like I curse with people going, um, you know, when I was at drama school, like people go, well, that sounds a bit like Ross Campbell was like the singing teacher I used to do. And I used to go, no, it's completely different. <laughs> um, so like, I suppose I would try not to, but like, it's inevitable. Like it's your voice is in there. But then that's where I think the comedic choice you're making about a character comes from, because then it is your observation. It's your view. You know, look, if I'm doing the, the, the Islanders on Love Island, like no one else can have my view on the Islanders or what the bits I'm going to pick out that I think are funny about them. Yes, of course, like like we were doing earlier, you know, I can't remember what I was saying, like, you know, someone like Louis Theroux does, you know, he can, he can sort of sound a little bit like, um, you know, it wouldn't be hard to make it, like say, sound like my old singing teacher, which is <laughs> useful, no one's going to get that reference, but they are going to have 
you know, even like someone like Blowers, you know, Henry Bloven has got that kind of tone and it's sort of there, no dear old thing. But, you know, if you like, you know, I'm sure you've had these kind of conversations before, but really you add that bass to it and it's, it's, that's Biggins. It's just, that's with it, with a bit more bass, you know, and, but it's really, it's not moved from that place. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's explained it very well, but. Well, you did, did actually, because you, you slid from Blowers to Biggins. And I would never put those two next to each other, but actually you, it was pretty seamless and distinctive. Your Biggins to me is perfect, right? So I can't hear Luke Kempner at all. Do you always hear yourself regardless, or are there voices that you, I know this is hard to be objective about, but are there voices you think, if I hear that back, that could just be the person I'm doing and I can't hear me? Sometimes. I think that's when you've struck gold, yes. you know, like, and you can't always find gold. I don't think like there's some like, you know, doing a bit of Alan Carr earlier. I think that I could fool people. You know, I think that I could get, you know, if this was an interview, I think I could do it. And the same with Ian Sterling, the voice of love on is one of my best mates. Like I fooled his mum into thinking it was him. So like, I rang and I was like, hi, mum, it's me. How you doing? And like, <laughs> I did fall. But then there are some that like, yeah, you're going to hear a bit of yourself. But then it's like, you know, like I do a, 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 in my last show, I had a whole sort of, um, I did the goggle box that I wanted to see, a celebrity goggle box. And I had Trump and Melania, but I also had like um, Andy Murray, Jamie Murray and his mum. Yeah. Now, no one really knows how Jamie Murray sounds. No one you know, they might, you might have heard Judy Murray speak or Jamie Murray speak, but you don't know what they sound like. So it doesn't really matter. It's just your take on it. You know, I, I had Judy Murray going, um, going, oh, Andy, you do whatever you like. You know, that's, uh, you'd be great on Love Island. Oh, you'd be, you know, everyone had stepped forward for you. And then to Jamie, oh, shut up, you wee prick. And like, it doesn't matter that that's not what Judy Murray sounds like. It's just, She's nice to Andy. She's horrible to Jamie. And that's that's the decision that I've made. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's nice. That's a nice take on it as well. What's your what's your favorite voice? Um, it, it's you'll have been asked this as well. Yeah. Like it, it, it's difficult, really. It really varies, you know. Like my Downton show, I always enjoyed being Maggie Smith because she, of course, you know, we talk about voices that are different from what we look like. And that's certainly, I was never going to look like Maggie Smith, but I enjoyed having this sort of flirty nature to a woman in her eighties. And that is so enjoyable yes. to be on stage. But then, like I said about Jeremy Carla, I'm not an aggressive person. So I like being on stage going, come on, what's your name? We asked you, you know, we, we asked you, have you been cheating on, on your wife that sat there? She said, no, what do you think the answer was? Get out of my, you know, all that stuff. Like yeah. being able to do that. It really varies, man. Like, like it, it just sort of, there's loads I enjoy. I don't have a particular favorite. Annoyingly, when I'm in interviews like on the radio and stuff, and it's more like you're there for like five minutes. I, instantly forget every voice I've ever done in my life. And then like, you know, and then you're sat there and they're like, and they're like, and I always end up doing Andy Murray and Alan Carr. And I'm always like, I need to go into an interview and not do those <laughs> voices. Yeah, well, I think that's true, isn't it? You, know, you, you, you have your default one, you know, your safe voice. <laughs> you kind of hear, oh, Ronnie, I'd be Ronnie Corbett all day. The thing about the favorite voice, it always to me used to be the voice that I've just learned most recently that I can do well. I had Stefano Paolini on, who's a terrific impressionist. Right. And he's great. And he was teaching me Michael Portillo. And I started to try to do Michael Portillo. And I, oh, you know, I, I'm loving re reproducing that sound. Are, are there voices that you can't sustain, but you've got a 
an authentic and sellable, you know, in terms of an audience snippet, and you use those snippets? I tend not to on stage, but then if I I, I do the now show most weeks, and you'll often have to do the odd line here and there, and then I would do that. But I like the ones that I can really use for longer than a than longer than a short sentence. But then as much as I love doing Alan Carr, like I'm not going to do 10 minutes of Alan Carr. You might as well go and see Alan Carr. You know, you have to just find the ones that uh, that can stay for a bit longer, you know? Well, look, we're reaching the end of the show. It's been so enjoyable. And I've loved hearing you. Your, your voices are great. And I've really enjoyed listening to the way that you you work them and how you, how you go looking for them. And also, I think you come up with probably uh, of everyone I've, spoken to probably the most i was going to say ordinary voices by which i mean voices that are just feel really difficult from where i'm sitting as a a former professional impressionist they just feel like really difficult to even take on what i've asked everybody to do is to teach me an impression okay so uh, you pick any voice of your choice and then do the voice for me and then take me through your your process and then i'm going to (laughs) try and make an absolute ass of myself well, why don't we do biggins? Let's do biggins. I remember like when me and Rory were doing biggins, I was like, oh, how are you getting on with it? And he was like, well, I, I phoned Christopher. <laughs> so I was like, oh, of course you know him. And like phoned him and had a conversation. And he was like, I have been working. It's very difficult. You know? But like, um, okay, well, I, I suppose like the first place to put it is, is you know that that creaky sound, like that sort of, yes, yes, is that kind of, and, you know, I suppose that's where I'm feeling it. And down, down in my throat here. here. Yes, but I think if you, you need to open up your throat, your throat a little bit more. So think of yourself like a big toad, toad. you know, and have that kind of, yes. yes. And, that, and of course, his, his laugh is easy. You know, that, ah, 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 you know. Ah, ah, ah. I sound like, more like Kermit there. <laughs> yes, well, I, well, I do, you know, I wouldn't mind having working with Kermit. I, I'm sure he'd be happy to work with me. <laughs> but like, uh, so you're, you're, <laughs> so you're getting a sort of a readiness, but also a boom, and I can't seem to find it. Imagine yourself like Jabba the Hutt. I just look at that, you know, that big, not that he looks like that, you know, uh, but this big, booming um, sort of uh, uh, foundations of big, a voice. Big and booming. Well, I, I tell you what, I think I'm, uh, uh, I'm giving myself a four out of ten. <laughs> I'd give you a higher. Oh, give you a higher. All right, I'll take a five. I'll take a, I'll take a, a, a generous five. But that's great. I've really enjoyed that. This has been enormous fun. I've really enjoyed meeting you. Uh, you're an Thank absolutely you so much, brilliant Simon. voice artist. And, well, and what's what's next on the agenda? Because obviously we're all a bit locked down these days. But what are you? You know, what are you hoping to go forward to? You know, ed- another Edinburgh or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I was halfway through writing an Edinburgh show before it got cancelled, so I've got that, and, and and I will then tour that. I'm doing a show at the moment on Netflix called Chico Bomb Bomb Monkey with a Tool Belt, um, which I play Chico, uh, this uh, monkey with a tool belt, uh, which is a lot of fun. And there's 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 all sorts of stuff like going on and and working on development stuff for for um, the pilots and stuff that are very close, and so in amongst all the other millions of things that we're trying to do and I've, I've been learning Italian and so I'm doing that 
<laughs> and uh, I play a lot of poker. Uh, so, you know, I'm busy. <laughs> you know? and, and of course, you're busy uh, watching the Gunners. Um, of course. And, and the cricket's back on Wednesday, which I'm very excited about. Cricket's so. back. So, we, you know, you can get all ro- roll out all of those obscure <laughs> your cricket commentators again. Yeah. Well, look, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great, great times ahead. Uh, I wish you every success, Luke. Thanks so and much. It only remains for me to say thank you to Luke Kempner for joining me. And thank you for listening to Making an Impression. We'll be back again soon. Bye-bye. You can subscribe to Making an Impression on all the major podcast platforms. And why not leave a review? Follow us on Twitter at Making an Impress One. We've got a Making an Impression Facebook page. And our website is www.makinganimpression.net. <laughs>